0: Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members, and they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. Do you have any indication that the president is willing to discuss both lifting the debt ceiling and the issue of future spending?
1: Well. If he's changed his mind from his whole time in the Senate and Vice President before, I mean, he literally led the talks in 2011 and he praised having those talks. This is what he's always done in the past. And if he listens to the American public, more than 74% believe we need to sit down and find ways to eliminate this wasteful spending in Washington. So I don't believe he would change his behavior from before. And I know there's a willingness on our side to find a way that we can find a reasonable and responsible way to get this done.
0: I would hope so. And I hope it includes not like compromising on any of these huge issues. Welcome to the program. Happy Monday to you. Your lovable little curmudgeon Dana Lash here to start your week off right the correct way. So there's a number of things to get into. So I have some debt ceiling offerings for you. I also have to we also have to, to get into this national sales tax thing. Because the way that this has been, and we were just actually talking about this over break, the way that this has been promoted in the media is insane. And this story, so it's the GOP, National Sales Tech, it says that it backfires. The, the sales talk, it, ab- it backfires. The Democrats see gold. So they're looking at this and this debt ceiling. You have Janet Yellen out there screaming that the sky's going to fall if we don't increase... The debt ceiling limit, which nobody wants to do because none of it ever includes any kind of uh, reduction in spending. It doesn't include any of that at all. So I wanted to get into some of this stuff with you because we have, we're also going to get into the document scandal and all of that stuff. Oh, and then I also have to get into with you, Democrats want this almost 9% pay increase for millions of federal workers because they had to endure Trump. What about us who have to deal with them? Do we get anything? I'm curious. So we're going to get into all of that. So first and foremost, they're meeting over the debt ceiling. That was McCarthy who was talking about his meeting with Biden. They're going to discuss the debt limit. And this uh, I this is going to be one of the first big tests of this Republican unity that we've heard so much about that we've you know, we've seen a lot of really good things after the fight uh, after they had the so-called, you know, the House leadership fight and whether or not that I mean, the unity is really going to be tested here. McCarthy says we're not going to default. That's not even going to come to fruition until sometime in June. So he's saying, look, we have some time here. He's meeting with Biden this week to discuss raising this limit, but they also want to control. I don't know why they're using the word control. It really needs to be just the word reduce or eliminate entirely uh, the... Uh, any kind of government spending at all whatsoever. Because we just remember, we just had this issue where we're now sending a whole bunch of other stuff to Ukraine and that's, you know, how much does that cost? Because it's not free. So he says that Democrats are wanting to raise the debt ceiling, which is true. Janet Yellen has been out there saying as much. Uh, They said that Republicans, Republicans have also said there's not going to be any cuts to Social Security, no cuts to Medicare either. Uh, That's all off the table. And Republicans want to McCarthy said that Republicans are willing to strengthen any kind of you know senior programs, whether it's, I, I mean, retirement, uh, health benefits. Eh, I know it sounds a little bit more entitlementy than a lot of us are comfortable with. I think, however, we've hit a borrowing limit of thirty one point four trillion earlier this month. That, if you hit your limit on your credit card, you're not going to go out and demand. Tell your credit card company to go ahead and we need to increase my limit. I just don't know. There's nothing that Congress can lay on the table that would necessitate it. Now, here's the other thing. Actually, I was going to get into this. Kay makes a very good point on this issue. So we know that a recession is looming. I actually think we're in it now. But, you know, what have? We're, I mean, come on. We're, for all intents and purposes, we're in the middle of it now. We're going to seriously pretend that we haven't started it. They keep saying it's going to be a mild recession. You don't believe that you don't believe it's mild kane you think it's just going to be a big old hardcore recession if we're
2: looking at just the inflation number alone that skyrocketed over eight percent um during this administration uh it was like between one and two percent with uh with trump yeah um that alone to me just proves that we're we're in somewhat of a recession at the moment
0: well the democrats have been trying to figure out a way to offload responsibility for this because their weakest point is the economy. Well, I mean, it's not just the economy. Let's be real. It's immigration and crime and spending and the economy. I mean, there's a lot of things that they're that they're really you can pin on them, particularly the economy. I mean, when Biden was first two and a half months in office, we already we already saw a major multi, you know trillion dollar spending package. It's insane. So that obviously helped kickstart the way that the economy is reacting now with inflation and now barreling towards a recession. And this coming on the back of, ha- of of having government spending for the lockdown because the government essentially enacted economic eminent domain, which froze the ability of people to actually generate an income. Then you had the CDC on top of it. You all remember this. You all lived through it. Issued the moratorium on leases, which was subsequently reversed. Uh, but the bottom line is that, this on the heels of what we were coming out of, and we were actually riding that uh, that spiral. We were we were correcting as we were coming out of the pandemic, and then we immediately punched ourselves in the jimmies by passing that huge spending package. So now here we are with we're, we're two spending packages later, th- oh, three maybe now because I know they've been wanting to get this other stuff going. It's a big it's a big issue. So we're on they say on the cusp of a mild recession. Dude, we're all in it. We are in it. But the bottom line, as I said, Democrats have been looking to offload responsibility for this. They do not want to assume any kind of uh, culpability for this at all whatsoever. They've they've they keep insisting that it's because of Russia or it's because of climate change or it's because of, you know, give me an I mean, how many excuses have they thrown at this and said it's it's due to anything but their own actions and policies as it relates to the economy. So they're looking to offload this. What better way to do it than looking at Republicans fighting and resisting increasing the debt ceiling and then trying to convince everybody with horrific, horrifically stupid and and just really bad uh, reasoning trying to convince the American public at large that the reason that we are in a recession because it's unavoidable at this point, I think the severity is the only thing that's being debated, is because of the debt ceiling and Republicans refusing to just go along with Democrats' demands. And they're already setting up the structure for this. They want to offload this onto Republicans so that they can embolden themselves going into 2024. They have got to figure out a way to unyoke themselves from this. So that's how they're looking to do it. So they really, when it when you, it, particularly with their base, and when you look at the media as well, the way the media runs defense for them, Democrats are actually in a pretty good seat going into this. I'm just I'm not saying I like it, I'm just telling you this is what you're up against. Now, when you couple that with what we've seen, and here's what the other thing I want to get into, because this made me mad, the national sales tax discussion. So Chuck Schumer goes out, and it's not just him. There are a number of uh, senators, and I, you also had Akeem Jeffries talking about this, saying, oh, well, you know, the national sales tax that Republicans are wanting, to, are wanting to push, this is just so, you know, absolutely irresponsible. On top of everything else, that this is the only time they've ever acknowledged that the economy is bad. Can you believe that Republicans want to add a national sales tax on top of this? I mean, look how bad the economy is, without admitting that they made it bad. That's the only time they've ever acknowledged it. They've been telling you everything is great. What are you talking about? Eggs? What? So now they're acting as though, because one of the big proposals was to abolish the IRS and replace the federal income tax with a national sales tax. And Democrats are, are acting as though the abolish the IRS part is non-existent. And replacing the abolished IRS with just this instead of having a federal income tax Uh, It's not. they're, They're acting as though it's a national sales tax on top of everything else. Now, secretly, privately, we all know that they're so excited over this because there are fewer things that Democrats love more than taxing the hell out of stuff. We know this. They are so excited. You know, probably when they first saw this. They didn't realize, they didn't read the part where it said abolishing the IRS and the federal sales tax and replacing all of that stuff with just this, which I'm not saying I'm in favor of just yet. I, I'm totally in favor of abolishing the IRS. But I have some different ideas on taxation, uh, which I don't like any of it. But, you know, that being said, you know that before they read that part, that they got all excited. And were thinking, did we just become best friends? O M J. Oh my gosh, you know they were so excited about this. You know they were. And then they read a little bit more and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is actually particularly with all of the stuff with the IRS. I'm not even going back to, you know, the tea party days where they actually had to settle with people. I'm not even going into that. I'm I mean, I'm specifically just thinking of The the IRS and releasing people's social security numbers and releasing their data and shaking down people over Etsy and Venmo For real. Yeah last week. I went to go get my haircut and my lady was like She I told her I go I was joking. I I feel like I had to just give you cash under the table And she's like, you know what? Honestly, I really hope that people start doing that because they're you know with Venmo I just can't even. Everybody's looking at Venmo. She's like, I, she goes, we, we sold a lot. She literally, they sold a writing lawnmower and they have to, she's like, I just am expecting to get something from the IRS on this. I was, we're, and, and I think she just became a conservative. I actually don't know what she is. I never ask. I'm just like, you know, can you, can you cut hair well? And are you a Marxist? Because if you are, then I can't. But otherwise, I'm not going to delve beyond that. I actually ask people this. I'm not even going to lie to you. So, She was all upset over the... I see people, everybody is like this. So so this is on the heels. You're going after the people. Who is it? Can I just be real? You know who I would imagine the majority of people on Etsy are? They're probably either left-leaning independents or people on the left. I mean, and then you have some like old school, probably like hardcore Bible-thumping people who do the quilting and the crocheting and the yarn spinning and all that stuff. But by and large... You know, all of the actual good quality products on Etsy are probably from people on the right. All the other stuff where it looks like a a half woven wall hanging and all this other hippie garbage, you know, it's probably from the people on the left. I'm just saying. It's true. Let's be, we should, we should be like, let us rate your Etsy stuff. (laughs) We should do a whole side thing to that. But there, you're going to get all those people mad at you. So they, I don't really think that. Democrats are just desperate to to offload the culpability for the economic situation. And I don't really think that they've thought this through all the way, but it's not going to stop them. We have a lot to get into, folks. Like I said, we got our friend Steve Yates. He's going to be joining us later on the program because I got a whole bunch of things there for you. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee, so if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks so you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Resolve now to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT it. The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet and your 401k. With the stock market so volatile these days, is it smart to make a prediction? In 2022, all of the market predictions were way off. If you want to invest your hard-earned money, don't make a prediction on your own. It will lead to some painful consequences. What should you do? Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech.
0: The original Wednesday Adams, Lisa Loring, has passed away, age 64. She was taken off life support three days after suffering a stroke caused by smoking and high blood pressure. Wait, your cane just hit the desk. Lisa Loring, the original Wednesday Adams, for 64 episodes from 1964 to 1966. The original daughter of Goth Has passed away age 64 That is quite young, is it not? That is quite young Yeah, it's young it's a, it's young. Sure, it had nothing to do with it Don't ask about it But you can totally be asked about You know what? If you're going to go to a restaurant If you're going to do anything You can totally, you know I'm just saying Uh, this is so sad. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Lisa Marie Presley was back on opioids and taking weight loss medicines, medicine to lose 40 to 50 pounds in the weeks leading up to the Golden Globes. Uh, That's according to some of the latest, Uh, according to and that's uh, from TMZ. They said that uh, she had been on opioids, uh, even back taking those. She had been clean for a really long time. Uh, but that's why she, looked when she was there, she was on the, remember she was on the red carpet, one of the, uh, Jerry Schilling, one of the original Memphis Mafia, and uh, she leaned onto his arm and he was totally fine, like, it's just weird, that's, I'm sure it was weird for him, see Elvis go through what he did now, and then watch Elvis's daughter, go. it's just weird, man, uh, so that's very sad, also, more, I'm feeling this, new Gallup poll, y'all know how I love my polls here, citing the government as the top problem, yeah inflation ranks second the government is a bigger problem yeah, than yes Woo! i mean i should give you the number right i just immediately we just got all excited that we agreed with all these it's like a lot by, by quite a bit uh the majority of americans think that the government and poor leadership it's worse than inflation immigration the economy in general unifying the country all the other problems that you can imagine it's way worse than than any of that here's what's funny it's not that far away, 24 to, uh, versus 18, as it relates to, governments to uh, uh, government, uh, no faith in government, government problem, Democrats to Republicans. So they're really not that far apart in that. Are we discovering some common ground? So prosecutors share a really baffling motive behind that Half Moon Bay uh, 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 shooting spree that took place. Uh, we were talking about this last week. Apparently it had to do... Uh, I mean, this is kind of weird. They said it had to do with, like, apparently, like, this unpaid, this bill. What? How does this happen? Stay with us. Friends, 2022 is history. Have you thought about what you'll do in 2023? How you will make it better than last year? Every new year is a new opportunity, so I have a great way for you to make the most of this one. This year, resolve to become a better educated American. And the good folks at Hillsdale College have made their amazing online courses free for all who wish to learn. And my challenge to you is just take one of their fantastic courses. You can discover the beauty of the Bible in the Genesis story or study the writings of C.S. Lewis or explore the true meaning of America in Constitution 101. There are many more to choose from and all these self-paced free courses feature Hillsdale faculty and scholars. Visit Dana4FORHillsdale.com and pick one of more than 30 free Hillsdale courses. I hope you'll accept my challenge and resolve to be a more educated American in 2023. Pick whichever course you like at Dana4Hillsdale.com and start your free online course today. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com
1: Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app weekdays noon to 3pm Eastern Time So Ron would have not been governor if it wasn't for me and that's okay and uh, he, number one he wouldn't have gotten the nomination and number two he wouldn't have beaten uh, his Democrat opponent So then when I hear he might run, you know, I consider that very disloyal, but it's not about loyalty. But to me, it is. It's
0: always about loyalty. Oh, my gosh. Must we do this? It's too early in the year and the day. Must we do this? Welcome back to the program, everyone. Your lovable curmudgeon here, Dana Lash from Sea to Shining Sea. You can listen to the program and you can also watch the simulcast of the nationally syndicated radio program. Uh, everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, via the first, also Directv, channel three forty nine. I remembered. So this, uh, I don't know if I ever remember a like a, a primary fight starting so early as it is now, right? Kane and I were talking about this. Usually, like, give us a little bit of grace here, right? Like, give us till after Valentine's Day, maybe give us till after summer vacation before it totally gets heated and ridiculous, you know. But eh, it doesn't look like that's happening. So, this was over the weekend with uh, the former president talking about Florida's governor because he says that, that and I don't think DeSantis hasn't responded. Uh, he hasn't said anything about it. Uh, he hasn't taken the bait at all. Uh, none of, I mean, he hasn't even announced any kind of uh, presidential campaign. So I don't know what this is all in response to. I don't know where this is coming from. But anyway, so Trump is, I think, convinced himself that DeSantis, I guess, is running. I'm not quite sure. And he's clearly not. I mean, at least he hasn't said anything. He's clearly focusing on Florida right now. But this statement that he said, and he tweeted about this, or not tweeted about it, he put it up on his platform saying that, this uh, was over the weekend quote fake news media was good yesterday and their coverage of my stops in new hampshire and south carolina other than the globalist street journal which is rarely accurate or good they said the day was really amazing the enthusiasm to make america great again has never been stronger the revelations about ron de doing far worse which is a caps lock than many other republican governors including that he unapologetically shut down Florida and its beaches he said was interesting indeed DJT leading big so that's not true though that's actually not accurate and I wanted to talk about that because I look I think that you can you can say the both of these two things can exist simultaneously I hate that we have to baby step all this garbage I just this is why I love not living in D.C. Because I don't have to worry about getting an invite to the next cocktail reception. I like a lot of what Trump did as president. But this super early primary and posturing is bad. It's just bad. And I, I don't know why he can't just sell himself on the things that he did. Why he feels like he has to tear other Republicans down. Especially going after our strongest Republican governors. I mean, do we, don't we need more strong Republicans, not fewer Republicans, I mean that just seems to That's kind of my take on this I didn't realize that we were so rich and hardcore Conservative, liberty-minded constitutionalists That we could just sit here and fire off Salvos this early In the whole process I mean what in the world, how was that helpful How is that leadership, that's not leadership And I know Trump, I've known him for I've known him longer than a lot of the people that are riding his coattails now I don't understand why there's this need To do that, you don't need to tear somebody Else down to sell yourself Just sell yourself, right that's like what the Democrats always do. I'm not saying he's a Democrat. I'm saying he doesn't need to do what they do, which is they can't say a damn thing without talking about Trump. Sell so yourself. You don't have to try to tear down the other guy. There's no need for it. They were friends. Now, to address a couple of things, in the beginning, yeah, it was a close race between uh, Ron DeSantis, and you remember Andrew Gillum, right? Gillum or Gilliam? I can't remember. I just remember that there were photos that came out of him, passed out in cocaine everywhere in a hotel room, and he was there with his boyfriend, right? While his wife and kids were at home. He was supposed to be at a conference, winky wink. And he ended up something like this happened. I mean, thank heavens, Florida really dodged that one, didn't they? But that's great. And then Ron DeSantis really did some great things in Florida. He's been doing some some amazing things in Florida where work woke, goes to, woke goes to die. Uh, so I don't, I, I think that's great. But I also think that it doesn't mean that everyone else has to stay behind you or that everyone else has to be suppressed so you can maintain i just don't understand that reasoning i mean i would a good leadership is also about being a kingmaker and being a kingmaker also means that you help elevate other individuals and and recognize the potential and recognize you know when they're at a high point and re- i mean all of this i mean that all goes into the it all goes into the package But when he was talking about specifically closing beaches, they were never closed. Now, this might be somewhat anecdotal to people, but let me just tell you, they were never closed. I was telling Kane on break, I had nine friends and their families that left Texas and went to Florida. Left Texas. Texas shut down. Florida, it was, there wasn't uniformity because DeSantis, and I was actually going back and looking at all of this, DeSantis was saying, "Okay, well, in certain areas, you know, you're going to have that's why we have municipal elections, by the way, people. So that's why you got to participate in those things, because those local leaders could make determinations about whether or not. You know, this is going to be shut down or that's going to be shut down. I mean, in Texas, we had some people saying you had to wear a mask here. And then in other parts of Texas, their local leaders were saying that you didn't have to do all this stuff here. And there wasn't any uniformity in Texas either. But the governor uh, extended that emergency. Abbott extended that emergency uh, authorization and made sure that, you know, we, he had those ability. I mean, we, it was shut down. There were I mean, places were shut down in Florida. Like I said, might be somewhat anecdotal. I had nine friends, nine who took their families, because remember, schools then kicked into all remote learning. They took their families and they went to Florida. So I had one friend who owns, along with some other people, uh, some beach, a beachfront property that they, it's a vacation house that they rent out to everybody. They went and stayed there. And their kids did remote learning. They were on the beach every day. I had other friends that got rentals we have uh, some other folks that we know who run one of those companies that deal and manage all the vacation rental properties in Florida. They work uh, a lot in Destin, the Destin area, uh, in the Panhandle area. And they were saying that they had never been so packed. They had no openings. And people were there for the entirety of lockdown. As long as we had remote learning, our friends, because some of them were my kids' friends, they were there. And so the, this accusation that the beaches were shut down is just not true furthermore do you remember that guy he's the lawyer daniel olfelder he was the troll who dressed up as the grim reaper and he went on a tour of all of florida's beaches to scare people away from being on the beach do you remember this and we made so much fun of him on the show we're like don't get heat stroke <laughs> uh, but he went out there on the beaches dressed as the grim reaper trying to scare everyone for being at the beach which is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. They were never closed. They just, the the beaches just literally were never closed. And furthermore, here's something else that I wanted to mention, because everyone's like, oh, well, you know, Florida, there were, you know, he did say he was following the uh, CDC mandate. Yeah, in the very beginning, DeSantis did, like every other governor. But then something, when things started not making sense, he went against it. And that's when he had his own Remember, he had his own independently appointed, not associated with Fauci, et cetera, et cetera, his own Florida-based health advisors. And that's when you had all the Florida Democrats start attacking those people. There were all of these other dramas playing out while this was happening. And he was listening to them and not taking CDC orders at that point. And Florida, I mean, was saying Florida's not going to close. I mean, I have so many things here that I'm looking at. He was refusing to keep schools shut down. He was refusing, you know, the, uh, there's a number of things. Uh, and this, uh, he actually signed like this executive order. I'm like looking at some of the stuff that I had pulled up. He was, he was ending all of those mandates that's when he kind of, and he got attacked by Democrats who were saying he said that he was overstepping his boundary as governor by in, interfering in these municipal matters because he was saying he w- he signed this executive order saying you're not going to we're not going to have these mandates, these covid mandates. And so all the Democrats in these local areas got mad at him because he was ending mandates. So pick your lane. Like, which is it? You can't have both. Fauci said that Florida opened up too soon. I have a piece that's coming out on Substack and I actually went into this because and this was from Politico. Remember, Trump was not initially on board with Florida's reopening of schools. And there was it was during April 2020, they had a press conference and you remember you had Burks and Fauci and all this stuff and Trump was was taking questions on it. And there was a question that he was immediately asked about about DeSantis. And he had said, you know, something to the effect of, well, you know, he's doing a good job as governor. And I had read where he's thinking about opening up the schools earlier than the end of this month. I'd have to look at the numbers. And he also added he would like governors to make decisions without overruling them, which was something that changed when he was asked about Georgia a month later. But that's what then he threw it off to Fauci. And Fauci immediately started criticizing DeSantis for opening Florida schools, for having Florida schools kids back into the classrooms as early as they were. And so and that was not contested. And then, like I said, a month later, the former president opposed Georgia's reopening. He said, quote, I told the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that I strongly disagree with his decision to open certain facilities. So and, and that was widely reported. I mean, here's the thing. In the very beginning, everybody was kind of looking at the thing that gets taxpayer dollars that we are supposed to be able to trust that was supposed to be involved in science and not political science, the CDC. And once it started getting weird, a lot of governors, and DeSantis was one of the first to do this, began bucking the CDC stuff. And it wasn't just him. There were a ton of other governors that followed in suit as well. There was never any mandate for any kind of vaccines or anything like that. So I just think, A, you don't need to tear other allies down trying to promote yourself. And B, by gosh, if you're going to criticize somebody, be accurate about it. It does not help. It is, it is so unhelpful. And I don't want to spend portions of this program talking about a president whose you know, economic policies I liked. Who I thought did some really good stuff with foreign policy. I don't want to have to sit here and be like, sir, this is incorrect. On something as petty as, as, as getting a date about beaches and reopening and everything else correct. Because this is all public information. It's hidden on this thing called the internet. It literally took me 20 minutes to go and read about the beaches. And read about how 22 days later he was disagreeing with Georgia's reopening. I mean, this is not hard to find. Why? There's no need to do this. No need. I don't understand it. And frankly, it's starting to kind of piss me off because I'm done having to take time to deal with it. All the, I mean, let's come on. We do not need to do this. <sighs> All right. So now everyone's also mad over, get ready for it, Dr. Jill. <sighs> so people have been saying this about her for quite some time. What is her doctorate in? Dr. Jill. Isn't it like a... Isn't it... Was it an honorary doctorate? I actually don't even... I've never... Okay, she got a a doctorate in education from Delaware. Her dissertation was on student retention at community college. You guys know my whole thing about this, right? I think... I've always thought her doctorate was kind of... um, I just... I don't know. Her dissertation seems like it was garbage. And I just... I just... To me, I think... You're, I'm, I might make some people mad. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm not calling you a doctor unless you can rearrange guts. I think it is, I think it's gauche. I really do. I think it's cringe. I do. I'm not, call, my son had told me, he was like, I'd like to get my doctorate. And I go, you, are you going to go rearrange guts? And he goes, no, like doctorate and, and, uh and, you know, maybe like, uh, you know, uh constitutional law, something like that. Maybe political science. And I go, you can pay for it yourself. And I said, I will make fun of you. till the end of my days and he's like what i go i'm totally gonna make fun of you for that i said it is this it's an an egotistical it's a ridiculous thing i said and you're only doing it because you want to be called doctor that's dumb i'm not calling you doctor unless you can rearrange guts i've had people correct me and i will call you mr or ms i don't care you can get mad at me you can choose not to associate with me i think it's gauche to sit here and call yourself a doctor when you're not an actual gut rearranging doctor can you give me medicine you can't i ain't calling you doctor no offense I mean, if you want to go and do all of that stuff, if that's what, you know, blows the smoke up your backside, then go right ahead. But don't expect all of us to participate in it. It's the same thing with the pronouns. okay? same thing. That's even less scientifically valid. So I'm so people are mad because other people there's like it's come up again. Nobody wants to call Jill Biden, Dr. Biden. And so all these leftists are rushing out to defend her. And apparently there are some people there. They're trying to say that someone did a cell phone. They they were trying to argue that, well, Nuke doesn't Newt Gingrich have a doctorate? I'm like reading this thing. Ben Sass and Newt Gingrich have PhDs. Do you, are you, I've never heard Newt Gingrich demand that I call him Dr. Gingrich. Yep. Never. Yep. I kind of just, I'm going to start calling myself doctor then. If we're going to be doing all this, why the hell could, Reverend Doctor, since Al Sharpton can be Reverend. Oh, man. We got to. On break, discuss what should come first, the Reverend or the Doctor. Doctor, Reverend, Reverend Doctor. I don't know. We'll talk about it. I've talked a lot about the Caltech KSG shotgun over the years, and it's no secret how much I love it. It's become the go to shotgun for law enforcement and home defense, and for a really good reason. Uh, but why am I such a huge fan of the Caltech KSG? Well, like everything that Kel-Tec invents, it created an entirely new class of shotgun. And the one that started it all is the KSG shotgun. It's the first 12-gauge pump-action shotgun chambered for three-inch shells. And with its dual tube mags, offers a capacity of 12 plus one. So that's six rounds in each tube, plus one chambered.
1: Red meat, black coffee, truth telling. The Dana Show.
0: That old in a second term, that vice presidency becomes even more important. Could Kamala Harris be the, his choice the second time around? You know, I, I really want to defer to what makes Biden comfortable on his team. I've known Kamala for a long time. I like Kamala. I. Knew her back when she was when she was an attorney general, and I was still uh, uh, teaching, and we worked on the housing crisis together. So we go way back. But they need they have to be a team, and my sense is they are. I don't mean that by golly. How many words do you have to say to be like I don't want to answer this question? We'll go back to the program. You're somewhat you're freezing, curmudgeon Here, it's what? It, hold up, let me check. What's the actual temperature here in? texas because i keep getting like notifications from my city there i have to i'm gonna actually have to tell our mayor y'all need to chill a bit on the text constantly all night all this morning it drops another degree so kane is 27 degrees yeah. right yeah. i start immediately getting into do i have my faucet stripping do i have this do i have that like i i mean our generator we got a hoss generator and I'm just, you know, I'm, I mean, it's going to be Ice Mageddon tomorrow. Texas is going to shut down. I got my French toast supplies, yeah. but I'm just saying 27 degrees like Texas. I'm just saying you lied about your weather when we moved here 10 years ago. Stay with us. we got more in store. Second hour on the way.
1: Uh, Chief CJ Davis, when in my interview with her, she said that all the officers being black, it takes race off the table. Do you agree with that? Uh, No, no, I don't. Uh, I think that I understand what Uh, The chief was saying, and I think she uh, really handled this situation in a very professional way. She moved Mm -hmm. swiftly. She ensured that those officers were removed from the department. She took all the necessary steps. Uh, But I think uh, race is still on the table. Uh, When a culture of policing historically has treated uh, those from different groups differently, uh, even when the individuals are from that same group, that culture can still exist. And we have to zero in on it, being honest about it and making sure that we properly train police for the realities of the cities that they are policing in.
0: So that is New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Welcome back to the program, top of the second hour here on the show. And he's on CNN, who really was full on with this narrative about the Tyree Nichols killing. And he was saying, yes, race is on the table. Van Jones had said that it was race. Other people had said it was race. One of the things that I was thinking about, and we've been having this conversation for quite some time over the years, really ever since Ferguson, if not before then. There's always been criticism about racial makeup of police forces, even though like in Baltimore, for instance, the force is predominantly black in other parts of the country and other departments, the same thing applies. But ignoring that, for the sake of discussion, if you wanted to have a more diverse police force, then why are you setting up policing, which is kind of this social contract where you have citizens employing other citizens to keep the peace for all citizens? Why are you treating it as this racial institution and stripping ethnicity from people who want to pursue a career in policing. And presenting them as essentially white adjacent. That's so stupid. So it's racism depending on what? The skin color of the victim alone and not the individuals involved? That doesn't make any sense. Does that make sense? That's illogical. You had five black officers. Now we're going to talk about what happened, but it's difficult to even enter the conversation when the Construct around it is immediately Well it's race or you're a Racist if you don't think it's race There's You know you can have bad policing And then racial issues That can exist separately and Simultaneously and sometimes not even Anywhere within the same ballpark I just that's, These are such bad faith Takes It's It's not about Just the The ethnicity of the person involved, you also have to look at the, you know, the cops themselves. You had five black officers. I, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So this case with 21, 29-year-old Tyree Nichols. It is I I I think everybody was prepared for nationwide rioting, and there was rioting for sure. I also do think that there is an issue with policing in the black community in terms of attitudes, for sure. It's just whether or not I'm not talking about justification or not. I'm saying that there that it does exist. Now, the police chief, Sarah Lynn Davis, I don't actually... I, her, I had a problem with some of the words that she was saying in the beginning because she was going out there saying that they didn't want to have police wearing riot gear. I saw this like Friday night, and I thought, ooh, that's kind of a bad move not to have police wearing riot gear. Don't you think so? Because that just and and she said that they didn't want that image of police in riot gear to maybe stoke uh, any kind of or antagonize any kind of uh, in a response from protesters or turn it into a riot, et cetera. You have protesters and rioters. I think that's one of the things that we've learned from all of this over the years. You have people who engage in peaceful protest, and then you have rioters who come and hijack it. So Kane and I are both from St. Louis. So if you're new to the show, Kane is the producer for the radio program. And we're both from St. Louis. I mean, he he has family uh, who were from Ferguson. I had family who lived in Ferguson. You know, we worked in downtown St. Louis, lived in downtown St. Louis. And the way that the national media tried to establish Ferguson as, as, with the narrative it did was so offensive. Like, they tried to present it as some ghetto. I'm like, you got a Target and a Starbucks up in there. I mean, it, Ferguson is not a bad area. I mean, like, it, I don't know what they thought. It was really kind of ridiculous to see all these people who clearly had never been to St. Louis making these rational, rationalizations. But here's the other thing. In the very beginning in St. Louis, when all of the protests uh started with mike brown they were whether you agreed with them or not there were grass they were grassroots protesters whether you agreed with what they were protesting or not the very beginning in ferguson it was grassroots now here's where it changes so in st louis you know how james o'keefe my friend uh over a decade ago he went and busted up acorn right well, ACORN ended up turning into something different. It was like Missouri, whatever. It's, it called itself MORE. So in certain cities, it didn't necessarily disband. They just sort of uh, re—they morphed into something different. And that's what happened in St. Louis. It was very much an activist hub. And they worked with a lot of Chicago folks. Chicago is notorious for sending out agitators. I mean, it's a communist hotbed. They send out agitate. I mean, it's. I could sit here and go with the the history of activism and talk about that, but I'll, I'll get off the point. The issue, though, is that in the beginning, you had actual folks from the community who were trying to establish better practices for policing with regards to dealing with the community and working with the community and working with uh, elders in the community, working with church leaders in the community. And what ended up happening is that you had these agitators that were from outstate. In the very first weeks, the beginning couple of weeks of all the, the riots and everything in Ferguson, there was not a single arrest that was made of someone who lived in the area because we went through, and we talked about this extensively on air, the arrest records for every single person that was made publicly available, not as single damn one of them were from St. Louis were from Ferguson. They were all like from Chicago, from you know uh, uh, elsewhere. That none of them were from that area. The people who were burning down the businesses, by the way, Ferguson. Those these are predominantly black-owned businesses. A lot of them are historically black-owned. You have four, you know, three and four generation-owned businesses that were set alight by these, you know, I'll be honest, these these white progressive Marxists that were coming in from elsewhere that always like to seize on any kind of uh, division and controversy and create a violent. Uh, incident where you does it doesn't need to be violent and so they the grassroot folks were really mad and they were pushing back against all of this they would got no help from national media so a lot of the folks when we were in St. Louis we were in a hub that um, not only owned a talk station that was on FM but it owned like a rock station and you know you had urban stations and all of this stuff it was like a cluster of different types of stations and so we knew people that had inroads into every single you know culture uh, you know whatever demo in the area and there were I mean we were hearing that a lot of the the grassroots in Ferguson were being ignored by national media National media would come in like people like CNN and MSNBC would come into Ferguson. They wouldn't interview or put on their their news any of the local people because the local people were trying to solve the issue. They weren't trying to. And whether you agreed with it or not, that is the way they were approaching it. They were not approaching it with violence. The out the agitators that were coming in hands to sky. I personally looked at like how many there were like 40 something arrest records we looked at on air. Not a damn one of them from that area. All of those people, they were the ones that were getting on cable news. They were the ones that were doing the hits with CNN and MSNBC and all of this stuff. And it was making the grassroots people upset, not because they were fighting for airtime, but because they were presenting a dishonest narrative to the to the nation. And the national media, the legacy press was helping them. And so there was, and here's where it gets even crazier. And this is public. Google it. I dare you. I've written about it. I've talked about it on the airwaves. It's still online. Those protesters that were coming in, that were rioters, the rioters that were coming in, they got mad because they were promised by now, remember when I mentioned acorn turning into that more group? They were getting paid by that group, MORE, came what find out what that acronym means. I forgot what it means. They were getting paid by that group. And so what ended up happening is they, and actually I think I have some of this saved, they uh, began protesting when they didn't get their checks on time. So they trended on Twitter this thing called hashtag cut the check. And it was these out-of-state rioters who were rioting against more, who were protesting more. They were showing up. News crews were there because they did not get their check to get paid. Hands to sky, that's what happened. It was all organized and it was all, all of it. So there is, you have to understand, people have a suspicion. There is, as I said historically, and again, whether you agree with it or not, it doesn't remove the fact that it exists, weird relations between policing and the black community. Now, with people like, with, you know, constitutionalists or people who maybe aren't far left, there is a weird immediate suspicion that we have when we see riots break out in different parts of the country, in different cities, because we kind of know the history of organized agitation, And I've seen it. I've seen it happen for years and years. And so eh, we get a little suspicious. So when you had people who were burning down stuff in Memphis, I was not surprised at all when the arrest came in and they were people who were not even from that area. Interesting, isn't it? Now let's go back to what happened. This 29-year-old, Tyree Nichols. When I first saw this video, I had wondered if it was Personal between the five officers involved and this twenty-nine-year-old, I did not think it was an issue of race because the five officers are black men. Nichols is a black man, and some of the officers are even younger than Nichols. One of the, I think the youngest one was twenty-four. The police chief is a black woman, and her predecessor was also black, and his predecessor and his predecessor. Um, the Tyree Nichols story. I like Jason. What Jason Whitlock wrote a piece where he was looking at Tyree Tyree Nichols versus Rodney King and looking at the differences in these in these issues because they said that you know he was saying that r- media was looking at Rodney King as an example of misconduct fueled by racism. There's the denominator in police violence, but this is not a w- issue of race uh, because it, it it's the way that it's just different. And he accused Ben Crump of not wanting to change the discussion and all of this because if by racializing issues, he says it makes Crump rich. And I get that. It's the same thing that Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and these others do. These other activists that go out to these these neighborhoods that are besieged with this division and they racialize everything even when there isn't a racial issue present. Now, is there an issue with policing in this case i would say hell yes i mean i looked at the video i watched the video and i watched some of the other uh what is it they had some of the security footage but i it it just looked to me i'm like why is this personal they they were part of what they called the scorpion anti-crime unit and they had made hundreds of arrests and apparently they were pretty hardcore about it they've been deactivated Memphis t- Police Department announced that Saturday. They suspended the officers. The officers then fired. They released the traffic stop video, uh, all of that, as well as the video, their body cam footage, all of it. Uh, the Scorpion unit, which was like their unit that goes out and deals with, it's the Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. That's the acronym. They said they've, it's been deactivated. They made a lot of arrests. They it launched in 21. So it hasn't even been out there. It was because Memphis has been dealing with a crime wave. 50 officers. It was very successful. They said they took 500 criminals off the street in three months. And it's mostly like auto theft, gang related, things like that. Drug, uh, drug crimes. And so they deactivated it. I would think that you wouldn't you just better train? I don't know. And what's the budget? Because here's the other thing. You got to think about when you cut police budgets, guess what? Guess what gets cut? Training. Guess what's the first thing that gets cut? Training. I'm not saying that's what happened here, but is it, I mean, is it beyond the realm of possibility to consider?
2: And now all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech.
0: So, first up here Cowboy Bebop's creator Man, I'm feeling this so hard He says that uh, It's uh, Shinichiro Watanabe He says he's only able to stomach one scene Well, he was only able to get through one scene Of Netflix's live action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop he said it's just not the same He said also he had nothing to do with it Which I can tell by everything from the casting To the way that the movie was sh- Everything about the movie was just horrible The series is horrible uh, He says he couldn't get through uh, TikTok CEO is going to testify in front of Congress This will be interesting uh, this, the, and remember, CCP-owned company Shozi Chu is going to testify before the House Committee on Energy and Commerce to address concerns regarding the CCP's influence over the app that they created and financed, according to a press release. They've been under heavy scrutiny after reports came out that they were selling user data to the CCP for propaganda purposes, and they were criticized for the sexual exploitation of minors, according to the Wall Street Journal. This is going to happen on March 23rd. He will be the lone witness on the panel, according to the press release. Jerry Garcia's Cannabis Company Is leaving California Wow I know Leaving San Francisco They've you know The beacon for counterculture And uh, yeah They're not gonna It said California's turbulent Legal pot market They said that It's the mass extinction event That's what Cannabis Insiders are saying Thousands are gonna go out of business this year Wow We have a lot more on the way Stick with us
1: Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com.
0: I got a message today for some white people. If we have white people listening, paying attention, I wouldn't mind if you would do this with me. We rub our chests, we find our heartbeat, and we say, we did this. What? We did this. I don't know (laughs) <laughs> what a <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch hell did I just watch <laughs> Welcome back to the program Your uh, bemused curmudgeon here, Dana Lash As you listen from sea to shining sea, ladies and gentlemen Don't forget to go and find us on uh, YouTube and Facebook, like and subscribe as well So that is, who she's nobody of, a, of particular significance Just random Karen Random white progressive. She says that white supremacy killed Tyree Nichols, not the police. When I think everyone else is saying it looks like it was policing, like bad policing that did it. And not, you know. I mean, (laughs) I'm going to ask the dumbest question I've probably ever asked. So is her... And Van Jones and all these other folks out there, is their argument that if you are black and then you put on the police uniform, you magically become white? Sounds like it. Really? Sounds like it. That seems illiberal, but you know, I'm <laughs> I don't want to judge, but I'm gonna totally judge. I don't know why she always has to. Why did she? You know who she looks like? She looks like oh, this is such an insult because she crops her hair out of the top. She looks like a weird version of Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Her video for if you're not watching, it's this. If, if you're not watching the simulcast of the nationally syndicated radio show, it's this woman who's in this Charlie Brown vest and she and she's in these. She's looks like Stanley Tucci, <laughs> doesn't she? Like a unhealthy Stanley Tucci, in a Charlie Brown vest, which he would never wear. And she, I don't know what. I don't, I don't, man. I don't know, man. This stuff is. These far left people are weird. They are weird people. Oh, but it looks like it's bad policing, and that's what. It, but but here's the thing: you're gonna if the way to get more bad policing is to not talk about bad policing and reforms and just be like everything's racial. Thank you. You're gonna get more bad policing if you don't actually talk about. I mean, I know we're going to learn more about everything that happened, but man, I'm telling you what, it looked personal in watching that video. It looked it. I mean, it looked personal. It I, it was it it was weird. So, oh, man. But yeah, unless one of them was pulling what's that one chick, Rachel Dolezal, unless, you know, these officers were like the male version of her. Uh, really, I just, I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not seeing it. I'm not, it seems like an issue of bad policing more than anything else. It's sad. We, uh, have been, (sighs) there's a lot to hit. It was, we've been discussing this issue with the Tyree Nichols case. It didn't, it did seem like there weren't as many riots, like I think everyone was expecting. I mean, considering the Mike Brown situation, I think everybody thought it was going to be like a Michael Brown thing again. Don't you think so? Yeah. yeah I don't think there was, there were, I, I didn't hear like about widespread like rioting and burning buildings and all that stuff like we had previously. Do you think it's because people were not buying into some of the push like, oh, this isn't, it is more of a bad policing issue, not a.
2: I think because the videos went out. I think a lot of this happens whenever they release the video, when they see a narrative building, they release the video. And they're like, huh, here's what happened. Now, what do you think? And I think that's what kind of quelled, I think, some of the... Do you think uh, it quelled design. it?
0: I don't know. I was qu- wondering why they were doing all of this on a Friday. Friday night. To me, it was just... It seemed like it was all being primed to... Uh, we're going to talk about this more. I have to get to this story, too. So now the northern border. Oh, I know. They saw a 743% spike in illegal entrance trying to cross... They said it's easier to enter than Mexico. So there, and you got to go through snow up there. It shows people trudging through snow. Border Patrol has been sharing images. There was a a man from Haiti who was found dead. He was found dead just north of the border in the snow. I mean, you basically have to go to like uh, an outfitter store to trudge through some of the snow up there. They said that. A year ago, an Indian family of four was found dead just north of the Grand Fork sector. In December, 441 people were apprehended in that sector. And then they some looking at uh, and from the 2023 fiscal year, which began in October, already surpassed the 12 months of 22's fiscal year. That's wild. And of course, it makes it perilous because you're dealing with cold and snow in near freezing temperatures, in wet and windy conditions. I'm... man. They said, uh, and they they bring their kids and it is increasing more and more. And so another factor, apparently, another factor driving the increase is the barriers that Canada has placed on entrants, according to an immigration consultant who runs an organization to help asylum seekers. I say a lot of people go to Canada and if they're unsatisfied, then they go to their, they try the U.S. But apparently that the boundary, the, the the barriers that have been placed, it's been pretty, I mean, this is, it's just wild. And especially now. So it's not just the southern border. It's also now the northern border, which has seen a major spike. I think we'll have an easier time working with Canada. Maybe. I don't know. Trudeau seems like a fascist, but. This is wild to see these kind of numbers, but they said it's easier to enter. I would imagine this is going to increase, especially as we get into warmer months. I would imagine that this would this will increase because you're not going to it, it it's it'll be actually it's like very lovely up there uh, during the summer when it's sweltering and you're you're sweating to death and it's horrible to be outside at you know at the southern border for longer than five minutes. Man. Now, speaking of this with immigration, I had, uh, what was this with Eric Adams? They actually were forcing uh, illegal entrants out of the Manhattan. Remember the story came out about them, uh, about all these illegal entrants being housed in this very nice hotel in Manhattan. Well, they were kicked out and sent to a Brooklyn ferry terminal where Adams has ordered the construction of an emergency shelter. It's about 1,000 single males. They're going from the hotel to the terminal. And they said the cruise ship will probably be the next stop. Um, it's the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal. It opens today. It's going to house 1,000 single adult male illegal entrants. Wow. That's, that's a lot. And they're young, working age males. So they're being removed from that hotel. And the, Eric Adams still acts as though New York City is is somehow unfairly Uh, dealing with the weight of this when other oh my gosh we could talk about all of the border communities that have unfairly dealt with the disproportionate illegal entry and the drain on resources etc as a result of that now while all of this has been happening you got crime increasing chicago's in the middle of a crime spike Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was filmed dancing in the streets of Chicago. Crime has soared 61%. You remember the Magnificent Mile? I went there one time. The first time, not one time, the first time I ever went to Chicago. I was a freshman in college and uh, Magnificent Mile, just beautiful, beautiful city. Now they said that there's a 30% vacancy on the Magnificent Mile because flagship stores have left because the chaos, the violent chaos at night is so bad. The crime is so high. The storefronts are empty. It's actually over 30%, a friend was telling me. They, they think the vacancies on the Magnificent Mile are over that. I have had a handful of friends leave Chicago and they either go to Texas, Tennessee, or Florida. Some of them, their their families that have been there for forever, and they've they're they're like we can't stay here anymore. We're done. And you have Lori Lightfoot. Oh, just just since her term began, two thousand two hundred and seventy eight homicides, over nine thousand people shot. It's gang and drug violence since January first alone. That's just this month. Forty one homicides, one hundred ninety four shot, and she's out here dancing with voters with a drum line. She's a weird lady, man. She's out there dancing with voters, got a drum line. She wants to get reelected. Remember when she made everybody stay home so she could go get her hair cut? And I'm like, what did you have to do to cut your hair? Like, for real, what did you have to do to get your... Because you have real short hair. What did you have to do to cut your hair? Like her and Nancy Pelosi made everybody stay home, but they go out and they do all this stuff. So she's uh, in a defensive heated race. And she's actually going to have to... So in... There's nine candidates that in in total that are challenging for her seat, her mayoral seat. And so she and they have the they have a runoff rule. So they have to get to that 50 percent threshold. If they don't make 50 percent, then there's a runoff. And then that means it's dragged out till April. And then the top two, they have a a runoff election between the top two. Now, if she loses, she will be the first in. I don't know how many decades to lose a reelection bid. I just kind of, I find that a little interesting. That's a very, I think that's a good measure as to how tired people are of crime, etc. Can you imagine the tone deafness of being out there, dancing, when your city is dealing with vacancies and people are fleeing and... <sighs> tone deaf indeed. All right, a couple of other things that I want to make sure that we're hitting. I'm going to talk more about this later, but let me prime the pump now, shall we? No Freudian double entendre intended. So I don't really watch figure skating. But I may now, if it's going to be a comedy show. I'm not even going to lie. Did you, did you happen to see this, Kane? So ho- hold up. We're going to talk more about this. Let me just put it out there. The world's... I thought this was a joke. I did not believe this. I didn't believe it. You even had a headline about it that you sent over. I did not believe it. I thought you had been had. Because the video pops up, right? (sighs) You guys. So the story is this. It's the first ever transgender figure skater. It wasn't just one epic fall. It was a series of epic falls in the most awkward performance I have ever seen as the opening ceremony of the European Figure Skating Championships in Finland. It's a 57-year-old man. And he's not just any 57-year-old man. He's a farmer. He was given a solo act to promote diversity and equality. And I'm going to leave it at that because we're going to come back to this in our third hour. We need, you know what, we've talked about serious issues, all the first other. We've got to talk about this because... This is this is figure skating on Woke. So oh man. So we're going to get into all of that as we get moving. We got Florida Man on the way and you don't want to miss our partners for this portion of our program. I just can't get that out of my head. Like it was the slowest and most awkward fall I've ever seen. Okay, let's talk about some serious stuff. Let's uh.
2: It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man.
0: Ooh, all right. So first and foremost here, I want to go to the one that Dixie Roadhouse. I'm going to start with the last one first. Sorry, Juan. This comes from NBC Local Affiliate Channel 2. A Florida man challenged everyone to a fight after the bars closed. So it's so rare that this happens, you know, I mean, it just varies. Cape Coral, Florida. The line between night and morning was blurred Saturday in Cape Coral. Last night had come and gone, and the lingering crowd was beginning to disperse. Cape Coral police watched the clock click. Past three in the morning Yet the street outside The establishments Were still a frenzy Can you go over And take care of that guy A random citizen Approached the patrol car Concerned about A half naked man Turning the evening Celebrations into chaos They said quote He spit in my friend's face And was running around Grabbing people As another man Swiping spittle From his face Confirmed the act Of aggression By the way Slash Just a sidebar When a guy named Teddy Byrne Who has never written Straight news Goes from features To news This is the story This is how it's written so they said amongst the individuals sharing goodbyes, blah, 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 basically the guy had his pants hanging, his boxers were exposed, and little else, uh, his name is Kyle Schonkweiler. Sean- they said he was serving as the self-imposed mayor, throwing his arms around, uh, no shoes, no shirt, overserviced. And the arrest report said strong smell of an alcoholic beverage coming from Kyle's person, as though he's separate from himself. So officers tried to engage the intoxicated Schonkweiler, but then he became enamored with a gaggle of women and stumbled away from the questioning. The Cape Coral PD so- soon learned that not only was he from Polk County, but no one close. Uh, there was nobody close to remove him from the scene. So they had to place him on the bench to gather himself and then he fell over and then required medical attention because he hit his head upon falling over. And then he got up and started trying to fight everyone, and I can't even read what he said incoherently. Don't get your male copulatory organ caught on the pony, he screamed, before his, then he started challenging everyone to fight him, saying that he would blink them, blink up. Oh boy, I'll blink you up, let's go. Are you ready to go, he asked the medic when they tried to treat him. He was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct. <laughs> Guys, I'm very disappointed that there's no video from this encounter, only photos. Very disappointed. Very, very disappointed indeed. You know, I mean, with all this technology. Uh, Let's see. I understand when your chicken wings are late. I love hot chicken wings. I mean, if you asked me what my favorite food group, group was, it'd probably be chicken wings. I'd I'd lie. I used to lie maybe when I was younger and say something fancy. Nah, it's chicken wings. Let's be real. This Florida man threatened employees with a gun when his chicken wings order was late. <laughs> Goodness, oh boy, yeah, he did not. It did. His name's Bob D'Angelo, and uh, he was or no, not Bob D'Angelo is the guy who wrote the story. By the way, stop. Bylining your stories like this. A Florida man who was accused of pulling a firearm that was illegally possessed, by the way, on restaurant employees when his chicken wing order was an hour late, authorities said. Uh, they responded to the call, and he had to be taken into custody, according to WFTV. Matthew James David Davis of Naples, 35, was arrested, charged with two counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Third hour on the way. Can we talk about transgender ice skating? Yay! Bottom line question is this. Did you put yourself in a vulnerable position in any way so that this alleged Chinese spy could have benefited or even learn American secrets?
3: Absolutely not. Uh, But, Dana, uh, don't take my word for it. Uh, Take the FBI's word for it. They never talk about ongoing investigations. And and former Chairman Schiff knows this uh, as a member of the Gang of Eight. Three different times they came out and said two things. All I did was help them. And also, I was never under any suspicion of her.
0: Um, no one believes you. Welcome back to the program. That is a member of actual Congress, Eric swa First of all, Swalwell, same difference. Who is, I'm not, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be not a 10-year-old boy over that. I'm not. It's just, it's in part of American history. Welcome back. Good to be with you guys. This Monday here at the top of our third hour. And of course, you can listen to the nationally syndicated radio program from Sea to Shining Sea on an affiliate near you. Or you can also stream it on whatever device you'd like. You can watch the simulcast on Facebook, on YouTube, and on DirecTV, channel 349 via The First. We're glad to have you. All right. So I just wanted to play that just to remind that he... He was upset. They're they're still continuing their tantrum tour of being removed from different committees. Now, there are some who say and some of them are my friends, that Ilhan Omar should not have been removed from any type of committee just because of her anti-Israel remarks or anything of that nature. I mean, they weren't anti-Israel. They were actually anti-Semitic. There's a difference in criticizing Israeli government and a difference in what she said. Uh, And then with Eric Swalwell, who, who Swalwell, I yes, ultimately, I do think it comes down to the voters, who the representatives and the senators are. However, this is a guy who banged a CCP spy. I think and I'm just you know, saying this as a taxpayer who's paid my fair share and a lot of fair shares as you have as well, I just think that when you bang a CCP spy that you don't get to be on the intel committee. I mean, this is not like a participation trophy, okay? this is These are real things, real committees that deal with real issues that affect real people and involve real dollars and real lives. Ilhan Omar, she's a little different. Although I do think that her lying about The funds that she was using the FEC violations. I would think that because in a normal government job, wouldn't that compromise her ability to get a classification like the one that you would have to be on some of these other higher ranking committees or be a higher rank on these committees. So that's kind of how I look at her. I don't like I I don't want to penalize someone over ideology. But I just think, I mean, she actually got in trouble. I I mean, she was found to have been wrong by the illegal system. So I'm just, you know, that does kind of, and Adam Schiff, well, he's something else entirely. I think he's a robot. He sat very still during that whole interview. All right, a few other things to get into. We're going to talk with our friend Stephen Yates coming up because there is this huge push for this war war with Russia. I really do believe this. I also think that Russia saying that, saying what it's going to say, I have a couple of things in here uh, on the list about this. Uh, But I think that Russia saying some of the stuff that it says, like they're on the verge of there's one piece I saw. uh, Oh, They're on the verge here of uh, uh, direct collision with U.S. and NATO. It's possible there will be no arms control treaty with America after 2026 Moscow warns. I think that this is all just like as a scared deterrence, but not a threat. I mean, I I do kind of think that I, I don't necessarily believe that. I I I think that there. Are, I think media wants a war. I do. I think the media wants a war, but I don't think that we're in it, uh, or that we're barreling or not in it, but barreling towards it rather. I just don't think that we are. I I just that's not. I I disagree with that, and the argument that I've heard from so many that well it's if they keep going then they're going to be right there on the the doorstep of NATO. Well again to say it repeatedly they already are right with Estonian Latvia their geography they're already bordering NATO so I'm I there was this piece over at the Daily Beast. I'm going to pull this up because it. Discusses this. Um, we've done lots for Ukraine, but winning's going to take more. We're going to need more than tanks, and we need big advanced weapon systems. And a and a you know, it's going to be a price tag for rebuilding. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm old enough to remember when the left was very anti war, and not only were they anti war, but Kane, do you remember when they were against nation building? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this whole. Op-ed that I'm reading to you is about nation building That That's not our responsibility Just kind of interesting They said the piece says it's going to take major shifts In US and NATO policies to capitalize On the successes achieved by uh, Kiev during the past year Uh, We're going to have to uh, Supply them with other Vital supplies going forward They have to decisively defeat Russia On the battlefield and, and Ukraine Has been able they've been handling their Business I, I just, there is a hawkishness though that I see within some of the more neocon, and that is using it correctly, members of the right. And then I definitely see it with the left. Because uh, ger- uh, Germany, for instance, this is the Hill. Germany warns against arms race as Ukraine pushes for missiles and jets. Now, this was just out yesterday. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is warning against a race to arm Ukraine with high-powered weapons as Ukraine ramps up its call for fighter jets and long-range missiles. He says, I can only advise against entering into a constant competition to outbid each other when it comes to weapons systems. Now, the U.S. hasn't shared any plans to send warplanes, but apparently it's not off the table. Zelensky issued pleas over the weekend for long-range missiles and fighter jets. They're trying to strengthen their air defense. Germany says they're not going to equip Ukraine with warplanes. They said the combat aircraft, this question does not come up at all, Schultz said, quoted by Politico. And apparently NBC said Biden got angry with Zelensky during a phone call over the last fall when Zelensky responded to the latest announcement of a billion dollars in aid by asking and making additional requests. And Biden, at least for his part, according to NBC, told Zelensky he should be grateful for U.S. support. You have 31 M1 Abrams going in. Germany's sending Leopard 2 battle tanks. Uh, and apparently 14 machines And approve other countries requests to do the same Because I think that they're having to, they're, they're, The supply and all of the I, This is With the amount of money That's been spent And there are a lot of people Who have legitimate questions As to the accountability of this Ukraine's government Is not non-corrupt I hope people realize this They have their own issues With corruption I, I mean they were shutting down churches and they were shutting down media outlets just in the past year I mean he's not this big he really gets this gets lionized as this anti-corruption crusader Now, I'm not saying that that gives Russia at all any kind of right to do what they're doing, but let's not act as though he's this perfect angel. And because of that, that is why you have every right and and responsibility to demand an accountability of every dollar that's been sent over there, something that has not been granted to people asking for it, particularly members of Congress. Uh, For instance, there were some, this was a Associated Press, Pulling this story, UK corruption scandal claims several top officials. The deputy head of Ukraine's presidential office quit after Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky pledged to launch a staff shakeup amid high-level corruption allegations during the war with Russia. They said his name is Kurilo, uh Timoshenko, and he's being relieved of his duties. Neither gave re- uh, no one gave any indication as to why the resignation took place. They said that he was linked to the embezzlement of humanitarian aid worth more than seven million, and it was supposed to go towards. Pe- making sure that people didn't go hungry in these areas, that these war-torn areas due to the Russian invasion. And who, where do you think that, m- that money came from? Us. That's our taxpayer dollars that was embezzled. And apparently the deputy defense minister as well, uh, Shapovalov, had also resigned because there, were mon- there was money that had been humanitarian aid that was supposed to go and feed Ukrainian troops, and apparently that went missing. So, the way that it's been so is Zelensky's driving out these corrupt these corrupt individuals. Um, yeah, but he's also locked up his political opponents. He shut down media outlets. Anybody that reports on his administration, like for instance, some of the, the entities that first started reporting on the missing money were shut down by Zelensky. So, yes, you're absolutely correct to ask questions. There's, there's I, I hate this... This push that I see from the left and even some people on the right that if you ask legitimate questions about accountability for dollars that have been sent when we know money has been embezzled, it's been reported. Media outlets that have first reported it were shut down. You know, there's 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 corruption rampant. You have it's not the same thing as saying that you don't support them against. Any kind of invasion that's the stupidest Thing ever but that's what people are doing as a way To shut down any kind of criticism or Question and or inquiry Into taxpayer dollars Where's the Account where's the accountability and It's irresponsible We need an oversight committee for this to be honest And so Now it seems like in the in the Demand for more money there Is this this push to Magnify Or Exaggerate the threat of war with Russia, uh, like a World War III. Man, I tell you what, I have a couple of other things here as well that I want to make sure that we are getting into. Can we talk about this transgender figure skater? Yes, thank you. Okay, this is what you've been waiting for. It's The world's first ever transgender figure skater suffered an epic fall in an awkward performance at the opening ceremony of the European Figure Skating Championships in Finland. The name of the individual, Mina Anitakanian, 57, What is a farm owner, farmer. He was given a solo act to promote diversity and equality. Now, Lorraine tells me with, like, receipt that apparently, of course she has. She's got this new... He apparently was... A, I, don't, I don't know how. He was apparently a good skater before he transitioned. Uh, in what league, I want to know. He was slipping all over the place. It was like watching someone in slow-mo, but it wasn't slow-mo. That's literally his speed. We're showing it on the simulcast now. That's not slow-mo. That's actually him. So apparently they said he's been an adult figure skater and ballet dancer since 2014 and practices both disciplines six times a week. He began skating when he was 17. uh, And in 2014... Uh, he had a coach who was the 1985 Finnish figure skating champion. So he's been an adult figure skater. He took third place at the Informal World Amateur Figure Skating Championships in Oberstdorf, Germany. And then he was banned from collecting the medal because he attended the ceremony in a skirt when he's got a Frankenbeans. So hes they said only really the top skaters are seen in these shows. So you have this grown A-double snakes, 57-year-old dude out there. I don't care if he's been, I been, I studied classical ballet for 17 years. Don't be like, oh, I studied ballet for a few, shut up. He's out there falling all over the ice. It's supposed to be a demonstration of merit, not a demonstration of, well, I want to wear lipstick, right? It's hard to watch. Kane's, she sounds hideous.
3: Well, she's a guy, so.
0: Yeah, well, he must know. All right, we have headlines on the way. We got Stephen Yates is going to be joining us too. There's just no way around it. It's just all, God God help us all.
2: And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech.
0: So a huge explosion... Rocked an arms factory in central Iran, a military site, was hit by a drone strike. Unidentified attacks, global. Maybe they shouldn't be doing shady stuff and they wouldn't get hit by a drone, is all I'm saying. They were doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. Um, I believe what is known as um, FAFO applied here. I'm just. It's a secretive defense industry center. They've been doing all kinds of stuff that they weren't supposed to be doing. Uh, but just just saying, we'll ask Stevie needs about that here coming up. Uh, also, this is really crazy. This is from local channel seven WSPA in North Carolina. I don't know North Carolina. Kind of, four city police department are warning the public after they've been finding razor blades on gas pump handles. It so when you would when you go to grab the pump, it's like in the handle where you would uh, pull up the. Uh, the, the, I'm trying to say, like the giant hand trigger, so to speak, for the, it's like embedded into that thing. So they said, be careful when you fill up. They came to their attention during an inspection of pumps by the Department of Agriculture, and it's been happening at just different gas stations. That they've been finding them. So they said they're trying to find a suspect, but uh, just to be, you know, be careful, always be, you know, where your surroundings because I'm a former kind of retired germaphobe. I always look at this stuff anyway. So massive fire at a Connecticut egg farm. That's interesting. Dozens of Another one was reported by NBC. Connecticut, 100 firefighters battled a massive fire at a commercial egg farm in Connecticut Saturday afternoon. Bad thing to happen during the time of an egg shortage or egg prices. Stephen Yates, up next.
1: Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show.
0: Back to the program. Always good to be with you. As uh, we're here now at the bottom of our third hour, joining us via Skype. He's in a place that's uniquely right now colder than Texas. I think they are negative a degree at this point. Stephen Yates, who's traveling. He's here. He's there. His expertise is always sought, as you know. He's senior fellow at America First Policy Institute. He is a foreign policy expert. His particular wheelhouse is China, but you can ask him anything. He's chair of China Policy Initiative, having previously worked in the Bush White House. Always good to see you, my friend. Thank you for taking some time out today. I have two different areas. Obviously, you know where I'm going. We're, we're going to get to the Ukraine and jets and the tanks and all that stuff. But I wanted to ask you about these headlines that I continually see, because I feel like these are not getting the attention because Ukraine-Russia is soaking up all of, uh, all of the views. But there was an Air Force general. Now, I also understand that he is not... The way that I've seen it explained, he is not necessarily the one who's involved with strategy and tactics, etc. However, it still is kind of you see these headlines and most people don't realize that and they kind of get a little concerned. Air Force General tells his officers war with China is only two years away. He apparently sent out a very, very uh, frank uh, uh, email about this a memo to officers he commands he predicts the U.S. is going to be at war with China in two years tells everyone to get ready and aim for the head he goes I hope I'm wrong my gut tells me we will fight in 2025 now I I have reservations about anything like a memo being made public and getting I mean nothing that's not any good but I wanted to know what you make of this and if this is something you know, from if you're, you know, able to say with your experiences, are you hearing this? Is this something that you think is more widely shared and not just with, you know, folks like this guy who may not be one of the higher ups?
3: Well, so my entire career, people have been guessing at this possible timeline. Uh, the Communist Party of China has put its sights on Taiwan for a very, very long time. Uh, there's no, they don't like Taiwan being outside their fold. But even more than that, they hate the United States having influence so close to their shores. Uh, And obviously they like to push the United States and our alliance system out from East Asia. So this has been going on for a long time. Most of the best experts had been saying, well, they're not ready yet. It could be 10 years, could be 15 years. All I can tell you is my entire lifetime, they have always underestimated how rapidly China would acquire the capability to break big things. And so uh, I, I find what he said, not to be surprising that someone would be concerned. I mean, after all, when former Speaker Pelosi was going through Taiwan, people worried whether World War III was going to happen right then. And on any given day, the Communist Party of China and their dear leader, Xi Jinping could choose to do terrible and irresponsible things. What it needs to be is a wake up call that we need to change normal business. We can't deal with China as if it's this economic opportunity alone, uh, that there's something more significant that we need to be prepared for. We had the shock of COVID and whatever all that entailed. A war over Taiwan would have much bigger ripple effect economically and militarily, of course. And so he's right that we need to be prepared, but no one knows when. It could be tomorrow, it could be never, it could be somewhere in between. But the moral of the story is we can't waste all of our munitions helping other people without making sure we're taking care of ourselves first. That's America first, not selfish, it's responsible. Uh, And we need to organize our economic life away from dependencies and risks associated with that government. And so that's why it's a high priority for me to go around to states and work with people who will do that because I have no confidence that the Biden administration got that memo and is serious about help.
0: And it seems like the only real way to do that at this point is is working with different governors and working with different states. I'll, I'll ask you about that in a moment. It's been you mentioned Pelosi visiting Taiwan. I know they're just early reports because people were just getting sworn in. They I mean, we still haven't even had State of the Union address yet. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is said to be the spring looking for a visit to Taiwan. And I'm sure we're going to see all of the same, you know, hyperbole and the words from China, etc. They say oh, it's the United States that further militarized Taiwan. I I, I I, kind of I want to just sort of have you look into the future and, and kind of is it going to be worse than is the reception going to be worse than from China than what we saw with Pelosi. And then secondly, you know, in a way, I kind of feel as though not to th- not to throw our allies under the bus. I sort of feel like Britain punted here. Because, you know, they didn't really they didn't have to do what they did with Taiwan. They they could have kept everything sort of that status quo and, and without China have pushing this this uh, what they call a peaceful reunification. I just kind of wanted to get your your thoughts on those two very separate things.
3: Yeah, well, with Speaker uh, McCarthy, uh, when Pelosi was going, I made uh, very clear with you and with any friend that I could talk to. In principle, of course, the Speaker of the House should go at any time. Uh, the United States has significant equities with Taiwan that are not just military, we have economic equities with them too. Uh, and Pelosi would have been better served as she would have gone earlier in her tenure instead of waiting mm. until the dying hours of her time as Speaker. And so I fully support the idea of Speaker McCarthy going early in his tenure. Uh, and really, I don't care whether the Chinese wanna make a big propaganda show about it because in principle, we're vested in this relationship. And I think it's important to help them protect themselves so that America is not the 911 that's expected to come in first and maybe only in these contingencies. And so having a leader of Congress go important. Uh, the, The Pelosi visit was uh, much more contentious and difficult because Pelosi was of the same party as the president, mm-hmm. and so there are a lot of Chinese people and other governments are trying to read the tea leaves of what does this mean? Where is the president on this issue? And you, you and I have talked about this. No one knows where the president is on these issues. Yeah. And so, uh, but with uh, with McCarthy coming, it is a kind of an important part of deterrence that he say what that arms sales will move forward. Uh, with all due speed, that trade re- relations will be looked at uh, favorably with allies and partners to beef up deterrence, the all-important semiconductor supply chain and keeping supply chains clean of CCP, Chinese Communist Party influence, very important. Uh, to getting our allies involved. I'm sure that as Speaker McCarthy goes, he won't skip Japan or other key allies. So all that's net positive. The British, I think, did not have to concede what they did in East Asia. It seemed right at the time when Margaret Thatcher was making deals. uh, It doesn't look as good as history goes by uh, with the sacrifices that Hong Kong has already made. And in terms of Taiwan's risk, the United States shouldn't repeat that mistake.
0: Mm, That's a very good point. Talking to our friend Stephen Yates uh, at Yates you can find him on Twitter as well. Looking at at, uh, all of the headlines with Ukraine, Pentagon now apparently is is considering, it, it seems like jets are not off the table, F-16s. We know, we we had the news last week, the M1 Abrams tanks, I think 30-something of those are going to be sent over. That's going to be stretched out over a 12-month period. Uh, how close does this get? Because the big question is, well, uh, is is this going to be considered by Russia as an escalation? Does this mean, I, I really feel like media and others want there to be A a war and they are really pushing this. Well, here are NATO forces that are doing all of this. I don't think that necessarily providing equipment, though, that's not that is that's silly. I I don't necessarily think that that merits any kind of escalation. And I wanted to get your thoughts. I I hope there was some accountability, but apparently we're not going to get any with the dollars going over there either.
3: Yeah. Well, there's, a, there's a couple of parts of this long-term thread that remain front and center. Number one, and I apologize for repeating it every time, but the Europeans need to be doing more of this. Yeah. They need to pay up and, and step up. Uh, and we should be a supporting actor at best in this. Uh, number two, there is no answer to the question of what the point of all this is. If the president of the United States is commander in chief can't say what is the end state that our, that our involvement is supposed to achieve. What, what is, In terms of definition of land, are we, is our objective to arm the Ukrainians with whatever we may or may not need for other contingencies, unless and until the Russians are out of Ukraine's borders, say before Crimea was taken? I mean, without the president saying what the real objective is, this is just one more tranche of weaponry and expense that's going out into the unknown. And I just think that's a dereliction of duty. Yeah. That doesn't take away from whether the Ukrainians are worthy and whether the Russians are bad. But these are just basic things about presidential decision making under our Constitution. It's his responsibility to do this. And it has the added virtue. If we get our stuff correct, then others get are better positioned to step in and share the burden.
0: True. That's such a great point. Last question for you, talking to Stephen Yates, uh, expert on foreign policy. And as we said, he's senior fellow of America First Policy Institute. I've seen some and pretty high ranking Republicans as well. Uh, say that uh, well if 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 ukraine is unable to defend itself russia is going to continue to expand and then they'll be on nato's doorstep uh, well kind of aren't they already because latvia and estonia are nato members they border russia so i find that a little bit of a specious talking point and i wanted to kind of get some understanding as to why we even have some people on our side that are pushing that
3: yeah, well, I have a lot of confusion about people on our side when talking about this particular conflict. Uh, and a lot of it comes back to leadership on our side, too. Uh, but you know, we, they, they seem to forget some basic geography. Uh, and all of this doesn't really take into account the fact that, you know what, the NATO alliance failed to deter. That is a major historic development that should cause us to question what is NATO, what are we paying for, what are others paying for, how is this burden sharing working out? That's far more important than figuring out who's a member or a future member or not. If you don't have the core mission and execution down, it really is peripheral whether people are in or out. It's not serving its basic purpose if it was meant to deter Russia.
0: Yeah, that's that's it. That's the point. At YatesComs on Twitter, Stephen Yates. Safe travels, especially with Ice Mageddon coming in at least to texas so hopefully texas won't close down always so good to see you my friend thank you so much for your time
3: thank you dana take care of
0: course you too
1: listen to the dana show live on the odyssey app weekdays noon to 3 p.m eastern time it, it, it shouldn't be a surprise to people Um, that uh, individual black people can actually do anti-black things. Anyone who knows the history uh, of enslavement, anyone who knows the the history of policing knows that black people can do anti-black things.
0: Just going to say the same thing because I don't have anything else to put there. This is somewhat a Columbia University professor. This is about the Tyree Nichols case. First off, Uh, There's an issue of policing, and if you insist on making something racial, if it's not racial, then you're going to obscure the bigger issue of policing, which I think we all can agree is is something we've got to discuss. I mean, we've been on the show, but everybody else needs to. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you as we end out this uh, first program of the week. So Texas is getting it's getting icy. If you don't hear... Like Kane on the show tomorrow. It's because I made him stay home. Because it's getting... you. It, it, it's funny because from where we're from in Missouri or any place maybe north of like Norman, Oklahoma, you get a little moisture on the ground and it gets freezing. People are like, yeah, whatever. They don't care. In Texas, oh my gosh, the whole state will shut down. Moose out front should have told you, Texas is closed. I mean, it's, cr- it's yeah, they, they don't shut have down. A,
2: I've lived in Michigan before. Obviously, I've lived in Missouri and Illinois before. They all have infrastructure that takes care of snow on the roads. Texas?
0: Texas will wait it out. Never needed it. They legit will Rarely wait it out.
2: It. Yeah, they don't care. They're like, you know what? It's going to melt in the day or two.
0: Yeah, be, the sun's going to come out and melt all right. it all. We're just, we are just we don't need it. So,
2: yeah, Texas is a different animal.
0: When we first moved here back in 2013, it was in the middle of an ice storm. And I made my way to the grocery store. I was the only person on the road. Made my way to the grocery store. I went and I was like, "Man, they don't have no rock salt out front. Maybe everybody bought it." Was my thought, my precious little naive thought. And I asked like one of the the very nice cashiers in the front. I said, "Well, where's your salt at? Like, I just you know I need to salt my walk and all this stuff. We got to move stuff in." And they're like, "Um, we have some salt in that spicing spice aisle." I know you can use like I'm not going to put sand all over and I wasn't going to put kitty litter everywhere cuz that just doesn't do anything. It doesn't actually just I mean, actual table salt will, you know, but it's not that, ideal. That
2: pickling salt. Though.
0: Yeah, I had to get a bunch of mortons. I walked out of there with a bunch of mortons. It's crazy. The the canister, the old school where you do the tab and you the spout and you. Oh, yeah. I had to do that. But it kind of, I mean it worked, I guess, but not, you know, what an idea. they legit shut down. They don't have, and people don't that's like a a completely out of this world concept to people who live, like I said, north of Norman, Oklahoma. They just, In Missouri, they're like, what do you mean you have no rock salt? Right. What do you mean? Like, they don't care. In Missouri, they don't care. We used to have, everybody has a story. You, you'd wait as a kid to see when we, that's how we did. Like, we'd watch the bottom of the television to see if our school was canceled that day. And you, it all depended upon some superintendent driving the scariest road in the district. And if he was scared, then school was called off. That was Notorious. I went to Fox High School in Missouri. That that time we would always be like which which person is it that's driving Lion's Den Road, the scariest road in our county. Oh man, we'd pro- hope and pray that that way it was real bad, so that he'd call off school. It was a riot, but that's how we did. My kids don't; they don't believe and we watched. We never had
2: notifications on our phones about school. We had to yeah. wait and watch the news on the TV and that little scrolling. They thing They make on us the sound bottom. like
0: we're a thousand years old. My youngest is like, "You had to watch the lower third of your screen." I'm like, "Yes, that's yeah. how we learned in alphabetical
2: order." We had to wait if our school started with the T, and we were on the A's or B's. Oh my gosh, you were in it. for
0: a world of pain. It was horrible, right? And they only put it up for like a split second. So you and all your friends had to watch it because if there was like any, you know, like you would have like St. Francis or then Francis Howe, you'd have all that. Like if they were similarly named, oh my gosh, you didn't want to miss it. And if you missed it, then you did. Oh my gosh. Did you have to call a friend if they missed it? Oh my gosh. Nobody knows. Chaos. Travel safe out there, Texans. All right. Today in stupidity.
2: All right. It's the who's uh, Dr. Tedros. His other two names I can't pronounce. So I'm just going to call him Dr. Tedros. Um, he's saying that, you know what, this COVID pandemic, it's not, it's not over yet. The community has advised me that in its view, COVID-19 remains a global health emergency. What? Really? And I agree. Oh, do you?
0: Yeah. Well, guess you know, what? He, he, I, I don't. I don't agree. Either. I don't agree at all. Why, we don't need to listen to this fool. No. We don't need to listen to him. We don't need to listen to you, Dr. Ted Rose. Where you yeah. sounds like you have two first They're names as your last name.
2: They're addicted to power and that's it. I'm
0: right. telling you what. All right, folks, that's just it for us today. I'll be on Jesse Waters program tonight in the six PM Central Hour talking about uh what happened to that journalist in the Paul Pelosi case that got fired. he got suspended. Where's his apology? We got that. Signed up for the newsletter of it, Substack chapter and verse. Have a great night. Back with you tomorrow.